welcome to the Business versus COVID-19 podcast. We speak to relatable people in business working their way through this crisis, just like you. Hosted by Luke Connod and Heather Gorringe, here to bring you practical ideas and advice to help you and your business survive and thrive. So on today's show, Luke, you're going to speak to Nick Webster from the Economic Development Department at the Council. Yeah, looking forward to that. And we also want to update folks on what's happening in our world of COVID-19. And so let's get on with the show. Excellent. Over to you and Nick. Okay, I'm delighted to be here this morning with Nick Webster, who's Head of Economic Development for Herefordshire Council. We're really fortunate to get Nick with us today. Has says his apologies, just in case the dogs bark in the background or his five-year-old wants attention. And I think that's the same boat we're all in working from home at the moment, isn't it, Nick? Yeah, it's pretty much, it's part of the course, isn't it? In fact, I, I do find it actually, it's the worst part of working from home. It's having to balance kind of, working but also homeschooling it's very very difficult i'm sure everyone else can probably relate to that who's in a similar situation but yeah it's not easy but um apart from that i think i've adjusted pretty well and hopefully a lot of other people have as well um it's becoming a bit of a new normal as the saying goes absolutely i think that is the saying we are sort of adjusting to the new norm what I wanted to chat to you about this morning, Nick, I know Herefordshire Council have been really busy doing a lot of things to help businesses. One I went on last week, which was a brilliant online course uh, that, that you hosted on marketing. And I think you've got a couple more of those coming up, haven't you? Yeah, it's part of a series of webinars that we're doing at the moment. We recognise there's a whole host of information out there now available to businesses. We want to do something slightly different to what you might get through, say, the Chamber or the Federation of Small Business or someone else. Uh, in that we're looking to just update people as to what the council are doing in terms of, say, recovery and what other information uh, or support might be available from the council, but also to maybe touch on those subjects that uh, businesses haven't really considered yet. So I think there's one on uh, mental health and, and well-being next week, or, or this week, sorry. And then we'll look at other ones, maybe environmental sustainability and how we might incorporate that into business practices going forward. So we really want to run a series of sessions that businesses enjoy, feel valuable uh, and are useful for them, and where we as an authority can perhaps add a bit of value and give give a kind of, I suppose, a, a bit of a sense as to where we're going, what some of our thinking is. So that's, that's pretty much the, the premise for them. Yeah, and they're totally free, aren't they? Yeah, they're free. The more people we get on, the better the kind of conversation becomes. We're able to maybe start a bit of a forum behind this, use it as maybe a bit of an engagement mechanism so that businesses who want to interact with us can do so. We, we as a team, go out to another different businesses all the time. Prior to COVID, we were going visiting businesses, having conversations with them about their working practices, what support might be available. Obviously, can't do that right now. So we're trying to adapt that by utilising this approach where we can get in front of a number of businesses at one particular point in time, tell them what's happening from our perspective, get feedback from them as to what's happening from their perspective and hopefully between the two of us we can come up with a, a better planned solution. Absolutely because we every business is going to need to change. Uh, I thought the marketing one last week was really informative and we'll post on the Hereford Rotary Club COVID-19 volunteer group as we did last week the link to this week's so that people can just uh, sign up. 
So do you want to sort of give us a run through, Nick? Uh, I know the economic development team and the whole of the council have been really busy supporting both our communities and our businesses. Perhaps if you could give us a rundown of what things you and the team have been up to. Yeah, okay, certainly. I think probably a good place to start will be just to run through a few stats first, because I know that businesses will be very aware, obviously, of the situation as it pertains to them. Yep. But sometimes it'd be quite useful for them to understand a bit more about the wider context, about what's going on uh, across the, the county. So our partners, the March's Local Enterprise Partnership, ran a survey which a number of Herefordshire businesses responded to. That closed, I think, last week or so. The responses they had as of the end of it were from about 250 Herefordshire businesses that responded, and some, some of the following responses were 98% of them were being impacted by COVID. I guess you'd expect that to be a high number because, obviously, if you weren't impacted, why would you respond to a survey about COVID? Absolutely. Most uh, respondents were from these sectors, so they were either from tourism, food and drink, retail, manufacturing, logistics, professional services. Now, that's quite a wide cross-section of services uh, across the county. Uh, I think from our point of view, it demonstrates that the impact has been across the board. There's no particular one or two sectors that have been adversely affected. It's been pretty wide-ranging. Um, from that point of view, it means that there are businesses all across the county who are going to be suffering from this. Yeah, I'd be now, surprised if there was a business that wasn't, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I think that, yeah, we are aware of some, some businesses, particularly manufacturing, who are really quite niche in terms of what they do. So they might be supplying care homes, might be making uh, PPE equipment. Um, we know that they are um, doing okay. They're obviously doing well, um, um, but it's a lot of people's detriment. That's obviously happening. But in terms of the uh, some of the other figures... 40% of the respondents had furloughed staff. So quite clearly, they're obviously taking advantage of the government's furloughing scheme. We know that's been extended. Last week, the Chancellor announced that it's been extended to October. Businesses are telling us they'd like some kind of phased return to that. So actually, it doesn't end abruptly. There's no cliff edge. It tails off over a longer period of time. We're obviously waiting guidance from government as to whether that'll happen or not. But it's a quite high percentage have looked at that mechanism to ensure that their staff and their employees are still on the payroll uh, and are presumably are ready to pick up work as and when it comes along post-close down. And I think that's really so, important for, from our perspective yeah. as a business. Furlough has been a really useful way of making sure that we look after our colleagues and that they're ready to come back when we're ready to open again, or, you know, certainly on the retail side of things, when we're allowed to open again. Yeah, and, and I guess this is why it'd be really useful to have kind of phase response back to that. Because it does enable businesses to kind of ramp up their opening and potentially release some of their staff rather than all of, it, all of them from furlough. So you can see the kind of sense as to what government, uh, you know, what was being requested of government. So we're waiting to see what response they get back from that. But that, I guess, would be everybody's preferred uh, mechanism. Yes. Other stats, they had 44% of businesses had experienced a complete loss of sales or revenue and an additional 14% experienced some drop in sales and revenue. So, yeah, really significant proportion of businesses that completely ceased to, to trade, not getting any income in, presumably their costs are still going out. 
uh, those ones that are getting some income in. We don't know whether that's covering the costs or not, but you can see that he's putting a lot of businesses in a very, very difficult cash flow position. We recognise that the government grants will have provided some support for some businesses, but it's not across the board. And we presume that money will be running out because obviously uh, those grants were limited, although probably very welcomed, but uh, are limited. And until businesses can begin to open up again, that obviously that cost pressure is going to increase. Yeah, no, I think that's very fair. From our perspective, we got our uh, grants for our retail shops really quickly. And I know speaking to a lot of other businesses, they did as well. Do you want to know the size of the figure that Herefordshire Council is given in grants is phenomenal. Yeah, so I think we, we got a grant pot for circa uh, 60 million. Yeah. And I think we, we've rolled out the vast majority of that. So it's, it's well over 50 million now. I know there are some businesses out there who are still to receive it. The, our finance team are working uh, very, very hard, obviously, to contact those businesses, find out who's not received it, process the, the payments. So I would urge anybody who hasn't yet received their, their grants and think they're eligible to contact the council. I'll find an email address and, and read it out at the end of this podcast. But yeah. Russia, excellent. And the final one you were saying? So lastly, 75% of businesses stated they needed further financial support or advice. And I guess that's where some of the government finance and funding is coming to uh, come to assist businesses. Yep. But we we looked at that and we thought, well, okay, well, what can we do locally? So there's several things. We recognise that businesses are finding it very, very, very difficult at this point in time. Um, that's obviously having an impact on them. It's having an impact on their employees. It's impacting on their supply chain and their customers as well. The words unprecedented situation will be used um, a lot recently. But reality is this is an unprecedented situation. This isn't something that just affects the county yep. or the region or the country. It's, it's worldwide. And so businesses who trade wherever are impacted by this. It's also not a, uh, a localised economic shock where, say, one of our low, uh, larger businesses closed down and you had a, a large number of employees from one particular business being made redundant. It is across the sectors, as I mentioned previously, it's across the, the, the geography of the county. So it really is un, unprecedented in a, a number of ways. Yeah. But saying that, we do recognise, and I think it's becoming increasingly evident, that not all businesses are impacted to the same degree. And some of the conversations that we're hearing from our business partners, from say, the Chamber, the Hereford Business Improvement District, the Federation Small Businesses, NFU, all of those organisations are saying that increasingly businesses are looking to the future and, and, and to thinking what can they do in terms of business planning to help them get out of this situation. Now, we, we recognise that some businesses that would be very, very difficult for, but acknowledging the fact there are some businesses who are thinking that way and looking to take the time We'll take this time, should I say, to look at what they can do in terms of their operation practices, their staffing, their mechanisation, their processes to see how they can be better equipped to deal with future post-COVID. Yeah. So what our thinking was, well, can we help businesses in that regard? So we just these uh, forums and webinars that we're setting up are effectively designed to get people to think in that that, that space. Other things they could be doing now, usefully with the time that's available to them, that could make them better prepared for a future post-COVID. And our thinking is that those communities, those counties that are better prepared to respond to this situation will have a better 
and easy and swift in recovery. So if we can get businesses thinking about the future right now, if, if they're able to, then potentially that could lead to a better Herefordshire-wide position in the future. I was just going to say, I think there are masses of opportunities. Uh, and we're seeing it every day now with businesses that are, are changing how they work in Herefordshire. Yeah. And we've got huge opportunities because we were where tourism started. The Y Valley was where tourism started. And never more than now, when we come out of this, I think people are going to look to staycate. Yep. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. Um, so we've got fantastic tourism offer, got fantastic food and drink offer. I think we can make the connections between local communities and their local producers. Other opportunities from that regard. I think we look at a number of businesses that are diversified already. Yeah. So we're seeing printing companies making PPE for hospitals. We're making gin distillers making hand sanitizer, you know, people are looking at this and saying, okay, well, how can I review my processes in my, my workforce and actually do something beneficial out of this? I, I would stress, I, I recognize that is not possible for everybody, but where there are businesses who are looking to do this, then we're looking for ways to see which we can support them. Excellent. Uh, um, yeah, I do think there will be a lot of businesses that will survive and as you say, they'll take this moment to reanalyze their businesses, maybe redeploy yeah. some of their team, and then long-term will thrive. Yeah. And it's also an opportunity for us to review where we want to go as a county in terms of our economy. And I kind of, that, I guess, leads me on to where we're at now as an authority. So, 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 so we've been looking at uh, what else we can do locally, and we continue to operate a number of different grant schemes for businesses. So I'm just going to list a couple here. So we've got Business Growth Programme, which is about giving grants for equipment for businesses. We've got the Building Investment Grant, which is looking for grants for businesses who are looking to expand their property or their premises and increase their their workforce. The new Travel Fund Grant coming out, which is looking to encourage people to work from home and also to travel sustainably via bikes or walking and, and putting the necessary equipment into their, their premises. All of that is available either on the council's website or on the March's Growth Hub website, which is marchesgrowthhub.co.uk, where effectively we put all of our um, public sector support in, in one place. So businesses could check that out and they can look at what grant opportunities may be available. So we are still running grants, recognising that it's quite difficult for businesses to, to uh, apply for those at this stage. Um, of a situation with the, the amount of uncertainty that's around, but they are still there. We do look to continue to support our shop local campaigns because we recognise it's important for people and producers locally to have a market. We know that the, obviously the pub trade's collapsed, but we recognise there are some pubs who are still doing services, deliveries and takeaways and things like that. We know there's people supplying those pubs and restaurants who are doing stuff direct. So we're trying to do our bit to make that connection between local producers and their, and their markets. There is a market for it. I was speaking to a local restaurateur uh, last week and they were saying since they've started doing takeaway and delivery, they're actually busier than when they had the restaurants open. <laughs> so there is yeah. absolutely a market for it if people are prepared to sort of uh, adapt basically. Yeah, and I think it's a really good example of what businesses are doing to, to make changes to react to the situation. Yeah. They're potentially exploring stuff that they wouldn't have explored before, which is great. I think it, you know, yeah. it just it demonstrates how innovative, how innovative businesses can be.
So anything we can do to encourage it is, is, is welcome. So yeah, so that's kind of like some of the stuff we do, we've been doing already. I think what we're looking at is we will be producing a recovery plan uh, and we'll have to work with partners and businesses to look at what that contains. But I think our overriding objective of that is to enable as soon as possible recovery of the economy following one of the most significant economic shocks in a generation. So we recognise that there is that significant economic shock, but we want to engender and or enable a recovery as soon as we can. Yep, and I think you're absolutely think, right that, that the authorities that get there first will be the ones that will enable their counties to survive. Yeah, and I, th- I think it's not just about getting there first, it's about getting there and being smarter about it. So uh, from our point of view, underneath that, there's two things we're looking at as kind of guiding principles. For that. So, so firstly, can we use this recovery to tackle inequalities? Because we know that certain areas of the county are more deprived than others. Uh, certain areas have less access to services and employment opportunities than others. So what can we do to to tackle that? And then uh, the other guiding principle is looking to try and support a transition to uh, a great degree of sustainability. And that, that can mean uh, low carbon sustainability, it can mean ecological sustainability, it can mean business sustainability, and that links back into the points made about trying to be a resilient economy where businesses have got the ability to flourish and react to economic shocks like this one. So that's what we're looking to try and do, to try and um, promote the kind of recovery. Our recovery plan will likely focus on a number of aspects. And so we, we know we're going to have to look at our connectivity. How can we get better access to markets? How can we get the right infrastructure in place? And increasingly, I think we're looking at electronic, electronic infrastructure. The fact that most people have been working from home or out of their, their usual work environments and continue to work successfully shows what is achievable, but only if the right infrastructure is, is there behind it. We will be looking at our carbon strategy and how we can hit the targets contained within that and how can we encourage and assist businesses to meet their carbon targets or, or develop some or minimise their carbon impact, um, recognising that this is going to be increasingly a focus for national and international uh, agencies going forward. You've mentioned tourism before uh, in this conversation. That is certainly going to be one of the uh, most important sectors for us in the immediate yeah. future. You're right, staycations, you know, we're very well placed to to kind of assist with that and to, to tar- target that market. Yeah. We know there's people out there looking for outdoor uh, holidays, going um, food and drink holidays, something that is just kind of uh, different and uh, unusual and isn't the usual kind of holiday destination. So we can try and work on that basis. Yeah. I guess we're also looking at what new sectors could become important for the healthcare economy going forward. You, you might be aware that the council are making an investment in a new cyber security facility down at Rotherwas yeah. in partnership with Wolverhampton University. And that's a, almost a £10 million project. And you in national kind of level assets and facilities and services in there that aren't necessarily replicated across the rest of the region, which will act as a generator for inward investment and really could kickstart a cyber security sector for the county that leads to higher paid jobs that greater skills it leads to more disposable income in the in the economy it could be a real kind of game changer for us so 
are there other sectors like that that if we actually start to make some investment in we could see a growth in the future yeah. so all of this is in the mix in terms of some of the stuff that we're thinking about that the cyber yeah. security center that's happening isn't it it's not not being thought it about. is happening it's yeah, happening. yeah, no, yeah. That, and that will be completed by the end of the year yeah um and you know so that you're right the things are happening and it, and i guess what we want to find out is whether or not there's other stuff that we we could be potentially supportive yeah, I, I mean, I'm, there is so much scope for us as a county, uh, and it's good to hear and and have been on one of the courses last week, and there is definite value in going on those, and I would recommend to anyone to sign up for the course on Thursday, um, because it does get you, you need to get your mindset right, uh, as as well as your business, I would say. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I've, I've never been a business person, um, I'm public sector through and through <laughs> at this point. But I, so I can't really, I can't really speak to those businesses out yeah. there who are really suffering. But we do acknowledge that if we can put in place the right kind of support and infrastructure, then we can help private sector businesses grow and expand. And I think that's what Absolutely. our role is, and increasingly that will be our role going forward. Yeah. Thank you so much, Nick. Thank you for your time today. And don't forget, March's Growth Hub. uk is where you need to go to yeah. find out about the grants. And yep. if you need to find further information on uh, rates to make sure that, you know, you get your grant that's available, then go on the Herefordshire Council website and search business rates. Thank you, Nick. Yeah, business rates. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you, Luke. Have um, a great day. Yeah, all the best in the future. Yeah, cheers. Take care. Thank Thanks. You. Bye. Bye-bye. Lovely. Thanks, Luke. Thanks, Nick. So um, I was just looking at the businesses that I thought had made a real effort to either adapt what they're doing or completely change what they're doing. I think I have to mention Good Intents Marquis. So Bruce over the other side of the county has got an amazing business that is putting up marquees all over the place for weddings and events. So obviously that's been basically wiped out. Till next year, yeah. Well, I don't know, but yeah. wiped out at the yeah. moment. So, yeah. so that's a, a real difficulty for him. So the first thing he did was he looked at his business and thought of the other skills and the other things that he could do. And because he's got trailers and trucks, he set up a new company called Ugly Loads. And he takes ugly loads. Ugly loads. It's brilliant, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. uh, you'll never forget that if anyone wants an ugly load taken anywhere. I, I really remember this because all our parcels are called ugly parcels at the depot because they're bird seed or wormeries or whatever. Is this to do with the size of parcels and things then, yeah. not so much what they look like? I think they call them <laughs> ugly. I just right. call them maybe awkward would be a better yeah. word. But anyway... So Bruce now um, takes ugly loads from one side of the country to the other. So whether it's um, agricultural or industrial, and he's doing an amazing job. And he posts about the amazing places that he goes to, because, of course, the rest of us can't go anywhere. So it's lovely, isn't it? Mm. And the second thing he's done, because I, I wanted to mention this, because not only has he completely pivoted, but he's also adapted. So now he's offering his marquees out two businesses that need extra space because of course classrooms yeah. and um, all sorts of businesses need to have a one-way system or alter the way they're dispatching and and working with their with products and so what better option 
than a marquee. His marquees are amazing. They've got windows in them. They're seriously top of the range. And now you can have one. But your business to dispatch stuff. Well, on a serious note, Jamie Crawford, Hereford Forklift Trucks, they have got a marquee at the front of their offices now to do contactless collections and deliveries. So that means that anyone visiting doesn't go into their, what is effectively their COVID-free offices. Yeah. And all collections and deliveries can be done from the marquee at the front. It's a bit like our flower shed at the end of the drive. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I left a bouquet up there on Friday. The guy picked up contact-free, left me the money in the tin. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> the other businesses that I wanted to mention were Ian Pryor. So Ian Pryor produces potatoes. That's his specialist thing. Yep. And so you would have thought, wouldn't you, that there'd be plenty of potatoes being eaten because everyone's at home. Yeah, well, there was a shortage of potatoes to start with. I remember people were paying silly money for a bag of spuds. They were. Well, now it's all changed because most potato farmers have got contracts with people like McDonald's through McCain's and all that sort of thing. And because those outlets are completely shut or... And chip shops, I suppose. There's less chip shops around as well. Yeah. That's the issue. So there's quite a glut of spuds at the moment. So Ian's got lots of spuds. And whilst you can keep them for a certain amount of time, you can't keep them forever. So obviously he's got no way of solving that. But he's going to donate to our Rotary Parcel Scheme where we're going out and... Well, you, Luke, are going out and delivering parcels all over the place to people that... Uh, need extra food so I thought isn't that nice because whilst that isn't pivoting your business certainly it's marketing it because you and I you know what better thing than we can add those spuds to people's parcels and Uh, I'm going to put on there they're from him because we're going to repack them so if people do want to support him in the in, in the future, they'll know. Yeah, and that's great. It's local produce getting to, to the people that need it locally. Yep. Yeah. The other thing I was thinking was, is there anything that you can do to support local businesses? So the obvious thing is to buy from places like Andre's shop. Yeah, um, so, so Barter Street Street Village stores. Yeah. What are they doing? So, well, Andre, as Andre, yeah, I mustn't forget Bryony. <laughs> no. To be fair, mostly Bryony. Um, <laughs> so they've got really good standards in place at the shop. So it is literally because they've got a fairly small shop, one person in at any one time. Great queuing system outside, uh, hand sanitizer on the door, all the things you'd expect. But there are a lot of people because their shop's in Barter Street and Lugwardine, and there are a lot of older people that are having to shield. And so Andre's doing free deliveries. You just ring up, pay over the phone, and he delivers your goods to you free of charge, direct to your door. Again, contactless. He leaves it on your door, rings the bell, lets you know it's there, and off he goes. And I know he's got to stop this, but he's even been delivering papers throughout the whole of this time. Throughout the whole of the last eight weeks. (laughs) If you wanted your newspaper, he was delivering it himself. I'd say he's got to be the oldest paper boy (laughs) I know. (laughs) Well done, Bryony. <laughs> yeah, I think she did it to keep him busy, you know. Yeah, probably. <laughs> anyway, the other thing that I've been looking at in my own business... I think I've got something far more important than that. Okay. I know what we're doing in our business, but a lot of people yeah. have been missing their morning coffee. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, because it's all very well making a coffee at mm, home, it's not but the same. it is nowhere near as going to going to a coffee shop, getting barista coffee. Mm. Beans ground in front yeah. of you, that smell, 
the coffee, the lovely little thing on the top that yeah, they make in the milk. Yeah, pattern. Yeah. But as of this morning, at 7 a.m. every morning, you can go to the coffee cart in the centre of Hereford on your way to work. So we don't want people travelling there unnecessarily. True. But on your way to work, anyone that works in the city centre, you can go in there. He's got a fantastic queuing system. Again, sneeze guards, hand sanitizers, really well organised. Because that's one thing James is good at, is doing high volume. Go there, get your takeaway coffee, take it into the office and perk yourself up first thing in the morning. You'll never guess what I had this morning. It'll be a hot chocolate. But a Nutella hot chocolate. Oh! Oh, my goodness, it was marvellous. Anyway, sorry to interrupt. You tell us what you're doing now. Uh, it's, uh, I will, but first of all, of course, Hay Festival starts today. So usually you and I would be trundling up to Hay. I'd be there with bunches of flowers, putting them up all over the place. I'd be getting my pot plants in the bar. I'd be really excited. And then you and I would go to James's Coffee Bar. Yeah. Friends, Marky. We'd be having a glass of fizz. Yeah, and cider, some ice cream. Or cider. Or fizz. Or fizz. Yeah, yeah, either. Yeah. And we'd be enjoying all the talks. Yeah. But so today, obviously, that's not happening in Hay. But hats off to them. They've got a huge programme of online stuff. To, this morning, I'm going to watch um, Michael Pollan, who is the most amazing guy who talks about sustainable agriculture. So I'm really looking forward to that. And well done, Hay Festival. Yeah, we've got a few things booked in over the coming week as well. And again, they were all free, I think. I think yep. Byron booked them. They all were free of charge and fair play to them. Well done. So in my business, I was looking at what else I could do. And um, one of the businesses locally is called Jay Watson Photography. She's had to, ch- to shut her studio. She mostly does um, portraits of dogs and stuff, but also business photography. And adults and children as well. Oh, people she? she does as well, yeah. Oh, I love the dog ones. They're ever so nice, yeah. but she does people as well. But she's got a lovely studio in Lempster normally, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, Anyway, yeah. it's hard to shut. So yeah. I thought about it and I thought it would be brilliant for us to have um, some really nice photography done here. And, of course, the weather at the moment, touch wood, is beautiful. <laughs> so she's going to come on Friday completely contact-free. I'm going to give her a list before she comes. I won't um, be anywhere near her. And she can go around the farm taking photos of the flowers. Oh, wow. And also the floristry will be empty, but there'll be bouquets set up for her. We've got a tiny little studio here, so she'll be able to use that. So I was just thinking of all the things when you think about how you can support a local mm. business, whether there's other things yeah. that... It's what Nick said in the interview earlier. It's taking the time to think about how you can support other businesses and how you can improve your business. That's a brilliant one because you're going to improve your photography. Jay's photography is amazing. Yep. Whilst supporting Jane, but it still has a, a benefit to your business. Yeah. Um, tell us about your pub just before we go, Luke, because you're the only person that I know in the world that would buy a pub in lockdown. <laughs> Yes, yeah, yeah. I've always been known for uh, doing the wrong thing at the wrong time, you could argue. I think it's inspired. However, yeah, in uh, January, uh, my partner and I committed to buying the Swan at Letton. The Swan at Letton. Yeah, it had been closed for seven years and we wanted to turn it back into a a village asset, basically. I thought you wanted to live there. Well, we do as well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we we wanted... Basically, we wanted somewhere... In a stunning part of Herefordshire, close to you. Yes! That we could live in. That uh, I can go to the pub in. <laughs> yeah, 
that yeah, we may see too much of you. There's a danger. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that we could live in, uh, but uh, also run a business from. And we were driving past there, weren't we? Yeah. On the way back from Wales somewhere in January and saw it had come on the market. I didn't realise it had been on the market for seven years. It was Sydney Phillips had one of their big signs outside. So rung Robin and said... Is that round robin or run robin? Run robin. Okay. Yeah, run robin run. Yeah. yeah. And um, and said, is it on the market? He said, absolutely. They're really keen to sell. They've they want to get out of it. It had been closed for seven years, but the key thing is it had got a caravan site at the back. Nice. Got five letting rooms. Nice. It, it was a lovely building. It yes. needed structurally. It was great. It just needed a bit of TLC. Stunning south-facing beer garden. Um, uh, you know, near the it, river. Near the river. Near Hay Festival. Near Hereford. Near oh. Ludlow. Near Brecon Beacons. On the main road. On the main road. And to we Kington. Wa- yeah, and we wanted to do contactless accommodation, contactless village shop like Amazon do, because I don't like people. Yeah. Contactless caravan and camping, and we only wanted to accept credit cards. Yes. Everyone thought Inspired. I was slightly balmy at the time. Mm. However, oh, no, no children. Oh yeah, no children. However, they can't social distance, can they? <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but however, everyone thought, oh, it's slightly bad. How's that going to work with the old chap that wants to spend his £10? But everyone's used to using their card now. They're going to want contactless accommodation. They're going to want a slick online operation. So at the moment, we're doing the work to it with a view of opening in September. Oh, I can't Sorry, wait. November. Not September. November. Oh. Yeah, so you have to wait a bit Never longer. Never mind. So, yeah. Oh, well, fingers crossed that happens. Yeah. Um, oh, I can't. I cannot wait. I think it's inspired. Well done, Luke. And if you want to look it up, if you go to Facebook and yep. look at the Swan Inn at Letton. Yeah, you'll see pictures of skips. If you go to Instagram, <laughs> you'll see beautiful pictures of the refurb. Unfortunately, I like a skip, so I have Skip Sunday on <laughs> Facebook. If you go to Instagram, you'll see Byron's lovely pictures of the work going on. And just before we finish on the property note, there was a thing I wanted to share with you, which we may as well share with the listener as well. And that was, you and I are in prop, in property together <laughs> and we have many blocks of flats now and we also have some serviced accommodation in Aberystwyth and in Spain. Yeah. And yeah. I was listening to a podcast yesterday from two Asian lads who are completely into serviced accommodation. They were talking about how their business had basically been annihilated overnight and the one had lost £15,000 in the first week. And um, they were struggling to to get over this. One had been through a recession previously and one hadn't. So obviously there's a lot of things to think of. But what amazed me about them was that they had seriously bounced back. And the way they had done that was very controversially, they had bought the website Isolated um, serviced accommodation and they had uh, put in place not a medical isolation unit but they marketed it on the basis that it was contact free their cleaners do an extra 30 minute clean and they have a tick off list on every wow. door handle the kettle and they've also put in a 24 hour stop gap between each visit so that that means that it's nice and clean. Um, yeah. Yeah, very clever. And they are now back up to 85% booked for the next two months. Wow. And it's with key workers that are completely able 
to work and move around and that's what they're doing but they don't want to say live with the rest of their family at this moment exactly so they want to stay away they obviously can't stay in a hotel but they do not want to go back and forwards from their family how fantastic is that that? and so i think the whole serviced accommodation industry will start to see a serious renaissance and you and i I are looking for other ways of taking advantage of that in the coming months absolutely so i think that's about it for this week luke whether we'll carry on with these podcasts into the future is negotiable isn't it i think it it depends whether they're relevant yep if they're relevant so if you've enjoyed the show if you could give us a review or message us so they just search Heather Gorringe yeah. on Facebook Ooh, or dog. Luke Connard on Facebook <laughs> yeah. or, or Instagram. Or anywhere. Or, Google us. Yeah, Google us. Goodness um. knows what they'll turn up. <laughs> um, and get in touch. Or you can email me at luke at connard.co.uk. Heathergorringe at me.com. See you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Business versus COVID-19 podcast. If you like this episode, please leave us a review or send us a question. Connect with Heather and Luke on LinkedIn, Facebook and Instagram.